Today, um, I, I want to talk about a word. I could say it is one of the greatest prophecies of the Old Testament. And if people start talking about prophecy in the Old Testament, they, they go for other verses, good verses, like a virgin shall conceive and be with us, a great verse, nothing wrong. Um, his name should be called Wonderful, Mighty God. Great, great verses. I'm not knocking them at all. But there are there's another prophetic verse, or verses, many of them actually. And quite honestly, I've never heard anybody talk about them. And so I want to look at them. It's in Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43. Um and verse 18, we, we could quote a lot of verses. This one puts it together. It says, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. And he goes on to describe, but in very poetic language, and as I say, there are many verses like that. Um, he says, let me say it again, do not call to mind the former things. What are the former things? He's just been talking about them previous to this. It was the Exodus that God opened the Red Sea. He destroyed the powers of Egypt with ten plagues. And that became the gold standard of wonders. Uh, the Israelites still to this day, Passover is the great feast. It is going back, and that's that's what God did. He delivered us from Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He carried us through the wilderness with manna and water from the rock and so on and so on. They're the wonders of the Old Testament. Now God says, now forget it. Do not call to mind those former things as great as they were. Do not ponder the things of the past. Why? Because I'm going to do something new that will make Exodus look like nothing. And and you will see all the miracles of the wilderness, wonderful though they were, I'm doing something so new and I'm going to bring it forth and it's now in process of bringing it forth. Uh, and so that, tells me there is something coming that is infinitely more wonderful and the word wonderful in the Hebrew language means something only God can do a wonder another translation of wonder is impossible um, it, it, God does it and another way we've translated that word into English is too hard and so, do you remember in Jeremiah it says, is anything too hard for the Lord? But for you, it's too hard. For you, you can't even imagine it. But is anything too hard for the Lord? And so he said, all these wonders, these impossibles that you've seen, all are these things that are too hard for us to even imagine. What I'm going to do is so beyond all of that, that you can actually put that on the shelf and admire it as a glorious thing in the past. But forget it, what is coming 
will overshadow and swallow those things up. I'm doing something so new. Um, There are many wonders in the Old Testament, but when you begin to see it in the light of this, none of those wonders are an end in themselves. Any of the wonders of the Old Testament, they are stretching into the future to say, these are only prepping you. This is only getting you ready for that which is beyond words. It's interesting that um, the new wonder that was coming, that that's the goal, that's the finale. That was the intention of God from the very beginning. And it involves all mankind. We'll look at some of those verses in a moment, but you know that um, in the Old Testament, it's mostly Israel that is talked about. And Israel is talked about because they had a purpose. The purpose of Israel was to bring Jesus into the world. That was their mandate. Right from when Eve was given the word that she, the woman, would bear a son and that son should crush the head of the serpent. Well, that Eve was the whole human race at that point, but it it narrows down that this deliverer, this dragon crusher will come through the people of Israel. And Israel are kept and they are given information and the prophecies concerning this one to come. That was their reason for specialness that they would have bring Jesus into the world. And when Jesus came, their specialness was over. They had done the job. They presented Jesus to the world. And that includes all nations. And so Israel is no longer the singular nation. They are to bring something into the world that all nations will participate in. And so Abraham, the beginning of Israel... Abraham is called that he will be the father of the world. He will bring into the human race some person that shall encompass the entire world. It involves all mankind. Nothing can surpass it. It's a new thing. It's new in every way. It's new. That's why it's the New Testament. It's, it's, it's new. What can I tell you? It's new. Um, And let me say this, the language new is kind of strange to the Old Testament because these ancient people, the people around Israel and the people of that day, they didn't talk too much about new. Uh, You don't read them, uh, especially talking about new songs or new ideas, because they they wanted to say this has been around forever and therefore it's got to be true. And and so they they saw the the length of a thing being around as being the reason that you trust it. And this therefore stands in ancient literature something new, a new thing, brand new. And of course, as I said, this is all over the Old Testament. Isaiah here calls it new. Uh, Jeremiah would would come later on and call it the new covenant. That is a covenant you've never seen before. In fact, some of the things they said when they hinted at what this new was, it sounded like the end of the world. The end of the world because 
If that isn't here and that isn't here and that isn't here, and if you've replaced this, there's nothing left. It was in one sense the end of the world. It was a new creation, new creation. Isaiah really finally sort of slammed the door in our face and says, you'll never understand this until it happens. And so he says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It's never even entered into your wildest imagination. What God shall, it's so new. that This word new, um, it doesn't mean merely uh, the latest in a series. You know, just a few weeks ago, they brought out a new cars, 1920, uh, 1923, <laughs> 2022 cars, uh, they're, they're, they're the new car. Well, they're not really new. Um, they're the latest in a series. But if you go back to the beginning of the series, all they've done is improve on and improve on. and It's the latest in a series. We call it new. When you bring that new car home and park it in your driveway, suddenly that beautiful car you've been driving all year becomes your old car. Because you see how we use this word new. Well, this word here in the scripture isn't that. This isn't saying that this is the latest in a series of things that God is doing. It means something entirely new in kind. That is, this is no longer the series. That series stopped. This is something you have never seen before. This is beyond your imagination. It's new in kind. You could say it's one of a kind. You could say it's fresh. It means I've never seen this before. It means original. So this isn't going to be a repetition of ancient history. This isn't saying let's do the Red Sea again. No, 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 that's ancient history. This is not going to a religious museum and see everything covered in dust. This is... This is a new event that has never been seen, never been dreamed of, that is going to stun and amaze the entire world, not just Israel. And in that sense, although it's new and it's a mystery as to what is it, whenever it happens, it won't be a secret it will include, I say again, the entire world, so that every one of us is included in this verse. It's um, interesting. Now I'm going to go beyond the text. That was only a springboard. Um, Because what you find, especially in the Psalms, they bring this up. And... In the Psalms, they go beyond what one would expect because, again, they include all the nations into it. But they say it's a new song. Now, that's interesting. God said, I'll do a new thing. But then it it will be a new song. So this new is not going to be theological discussion. This will not be for... University eggheads, um, 
and and it's 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 not something that's to do with exegeting doctrine it's not to do with the formulas of religion it's a song and i i want you to come along with me here and think about it a song is super different to talking i can lecture on an item of theology but a song that's totally different it even uses different parts of my brain and it's a new song that it's not memorized so it isn't i think i'll i'll join this gang of people that have seen it give me it and i'll memorize the song sorry it's not written down um actually and i, I we might get there um it, it says that the only ones who can sing this song are the ones that have experienced the new thing it, it means god himself teaches us to sing it's it's god's song that has come to earth to be born into the heart and then fills the heart and spills out the mouth and it's called a song psalm 96 and you've read this but now i'm hoping it's gonna bang in your head sing to the lord a new song sing to the lord all the earth Sing to the Lord, bless his name, proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. Okay, all the peoples, the nations, the whole earth. Sing, sing, sing a new song. Psalm 98, sing to the Lord a new song because he has done wonderful things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained for him the victory, made known his salvation, revealed his righteousness in the sight of all the nations. The ends of the earth have seen the salvation of God. It's not a second-hand song. Every song that we sing is second-hand. Somebody wrote it, you buy the music, you learn the words, and then we sing it, and it's second-hand. This song, I say again, is not somebody else's experience that you're trying to mimic. This, you don't sing it out of a hymn book. This is learned inside of us, in our heart, by the Spirit. Okay, um, let me say it again. There's a massive difference, a massive difference between speaking and singing. I don't think we realize it at all. The people who understand that better than anybody are the um, people who write the commercials. Really, you remember the song. If, if they just said it, you wouldn't remember it. But the, the song penetrates us at a very deep level. Let me go even further than this. The, the, the music, the song has the power of life and death. I mean, I'm talking generally now about music and song. Uh, and here in the States, we're absolutely dumb and blind about it. But um, music, just the sound of music, let alone a song within it, makes a person alive, can heal them, or demonize them and kill them. A song does that. 
I, I have proved it personally um, in, in plants. I, I have played music to plants and the plants have grown. And I've played other music to them and they've died before my eyes. Um, I, and I realize this especially when I, I've been in third world countries and, and maybe especially Africa where the witch doctors have a drum beat. And that drum beat, you've got to hear it to feel your very guts go crazy. It's a drum beat that is filled with demonic power. And they, they begin playing their drums and the people are, would say, hypnotized. They come under the power of it. While I was in Africa, there were major uh, singing groups from America that went to Africa and paid thousands of dollars to the witch doctors to learn that song. Oh, yes. And they brought it back to the States. And guess what happens? Um, no, the music is not talking. My talking now uses certain parts of my brain, certain parts of my speech, um, organs. But when you sing, something else happens totally. <laughs> And I say it again, um, when you, you sing, and it doesn't have to be gospel singing. Some of that is not worth listening to. Um, I mean, beautiful melody that are, came from the very heart of God, all of it, um, can, can give life. And the world is out of tune with the song of life. Yes, yes. There's a disharmony. You go into offices, you go into homes, and if you are aware of these things, you can actually feel the energy of disharmony. It's, it's sort of in the conversation, it's in the air, it's a cacophony of sign. It's certainly in our schools when our teenagers are being darkened, let's leave it at that, by, by music and song and social media, you open it and, and the bullying and the cruelty and the plain decay and rottenness of humanity that comes through. It, it's a song that anyone that's got ears to hear can hear. This, this is a song that is going to go to the nations, which means change the very face of nations and so this is into local song um, you know they talk about being a Christian nation um, but let me put it like this Jesus is not a Christian you ever thought about that <laughs> Jesus is the Lord of the cosmos uh, I can't say well that's a Buddhist country that that's Islam that's Christian the, the the scriptures tell me that this song transcends all the songs of every nation. He is the Lord of all. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. And so the mystery of this coming new event is expressed in a new song. Song it's the realm of mystery and poetry, song. Um, 
I say again, I, I can say something, but if I sat here and said something that was meant to be sung, it would sound weird. Um, a, a song carries with it the, the mystery of newness and new ideas, uh, and, and a song is, is in poetry. When, when I'm talking, I speak in, in logic. I speak with, with, with formulas or with the rigidity of mathematics. It's a left-hand thing. Um, but there are some things that don't fit that. You can't talk about love in the logic of mathematics. Doesn't matter. It needs another, another what? You, you move into this world of song, of poetry, of art. It demands activity of the, the right-hand brain, or as the Bible says, the heart. And that's got now to lead and educate my left-hand brain, which never really gets it anyway. Because with the right hand, with, with the, this, the mystery of song, it, it demands that we do things the left-hand brain never does. We, we leap, we break out into singing and clapping and dancing, and it's spontaneous. So it's, song actually uses, say, the entire person. You, you can talk just with your mouth and brain, but singing it brings in, you move your hands and, and everything um, is quite other. It, it, it's the entire, per, but it penetrates the brain. That's it. When I hear a song, it gets inside of me where words alone can never get. And, and this song, this new song, is a song that the energy of God life penetrates the darkness and the line, it re reaches beyond all the cold logic of life and speaks to me at my deepest level. It's very interesting that the first reaction of religion to the song is anger, mocking, stupid. Uh, I have lectured to students in university um, concerning the Holy Spirit. And they've sat there and they've laughed at me. Um, stupid. To them, the Holy Spirit, that's, you know, people get too excited. You, you actually say you know God is. Um, these are theological students. They're the pastors of today. But, um, no, we don't get it. Religion doesn't get it. Um, it knows nothing of a song. All it has is a list of rules that are completed. But when you complete the rules, you don't burst into song. You, you wonder, did I do enough? <laughs> it, it's, um, you know, it says in John 1, 5, that the darkness, the darkness rose up against the light, but it, it couldn't comprehend the light. And um, another translation may be better is it couldn't overcome it. So here comes the song into the darkness and religion, enraged at it, enraged, because he couldn't, it hates the song. 
They can't hear what we're saying. We, they, they don't know. This is life. That This is the very um, word and heart attitude of those that have experienced it. I'm not giving ancient theology. I'm giving, I've met this person. I, I've, I have it. It's fascinating the Luke 15, which really sums up the whole of Jesus' ministry and message. And, and the, the elder brother, obviously the image of religion, when did he get raging mad? It's when he heard the song of the love of the father for his younger brother. Up until then, he was having a good day. But when he heard the songs that came drifting across the fields, and he asked the servant kid, you know, what's going on? And he said, your younger brother's home, and it is shalom between him and the father. Peace. And at that point, he fell apart. Rage. Refuse to go in and so on. Religion hates it. Hates grace. Hates the love of God. That the major words spoken to me by many church leaders over the decades has been the message of the love of God is dangerous. I'm quoting them now. They say it's dangerous. You have to bring in his rage, his justice, his damnation. You can't preach on the love of God. They say, no, it's a new song, and the the world doesn't get it. It it says, (coughs) behold, I, God speaking, I will do something new. I. And if we had the time and read more passages here, um, it comes through again, I will do it. And he mocks the nations and the other demon uh, gods and he says you couldn't do it you couldn't do it i alone can do this and i alone can tell you before it comes to pass that this is what i'm going to do and so these prophets of the old testament could only speak it's coming it's coming there's a new something coming that produces a song but the thing and the song originate with god uh, Jeremiah said it, he said, in that day, the day of the new covenant, in that day, all men shall know me. And you will not need a prophet to tell them to know the Lord, because they will know me. I will teach them. I will. This is God's work. So, what on earth is this new thing? And of course, I've half told you, but, you know, the, as I said, the Old Testament can only tease us. It's, it's talked about the man who is coming unto us, a child is born and the one born of the virgin and many, many other scriptures. But, and that man would do stuff that's kind of beyond what normal men can do. The Old Testament hints at that, but is a, a bit more specific. But now he's to a new. This, what, what, what do we say with this? Give us something specific. And as I said, as I said, I'm sorry, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. You haven't, you couldn't imagine it. So 
the new, the new that God is going to do is going to come with this man that the Old Testament talks about. But at the coming of this man, there's going to be bursting into new song. The presence of this man and what this man does will produce something so new. In fact, arises from new and produces new song. And it will affect the entire world. No one could ever assume. And I'll I'll anticipate by saying the church as a whole, when I say that, I don't mean age, I mean just generally speaking, the church has totally forgotten. Actually, to the church today, this is no longer new. And that is scary. Um, Because this new is the grand finale. And so if that isn't new, I, I don't know where you are. What what is the new? As I say, no one could uh, nothing. Nothing in the Old Testament ever even gets close to this. You go to all the prophecies of the Old Testament concerning Jesus, and they don't touch this. They couldn't think it. They. It is that God became flesh. He became human. He joined, became one with the human race without ceasing to be God. And what do we have here? We have God being fully known as a human. We have a human that is actually speaking and doing the works of God. The man who is God came into the darkness to seek and to save those lost in the darkness of the lie. See, the prophets, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says the prophets, I mean, they're, they're, they're great, they're okay, but don't get too excited because the prophets had bits and pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. Only bits and pieces. They didn't have the whole box. But they kept bringing to the table a piece of the jigsaw. And you saw a bit of this and a bit of that. Try to figure out what it is. And they themselves, it says in Peter, kept on looking and saying, what had I just said? Uh, Where does it fit? How could it fit? But, says Hebrews chapter 1, though the prophets spoke in parts and not the whole, Now God has spoken finally in his own son. And he's the son. Jesus is not the final piece of the jigsaw. He is the entire picture. He's not just the best prophet that added the right piece. He is the picture. He, In fact, now I understand he is all the pieces that the prophets talked about. He, He is the one. God became flesh. He is the new because you could never anticipate it and even now hardly describe it. It's so new. He is the new song because when you just touch this and begin to understand it, there's a song that leaps inside your heart. 
And understand very quickly what this isn't. All pagan religions have some crazy stories of man becoming God. Man did not become God. God became man. Think on that for the next year and you'll understand what I just said. Um, Also, New Age today says you become as God. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. The incarnation is that God, who created all, now becomes one of us without ceasing in any way to be God. And therefore, though, if Jesus came and sat in this room, we wouldn't recognize him beyond being a man, Middle Eastern carpenter. And yet at the same time, he's the creator of heaven and earth. So, he's not a creation of God. God didn't create Jesus. He is unbegun God, who now has become one of us, begun and ending humans. So, he's not a special creation. He is God. So, that means he's not from beside God. The prophets were, they, they were beside God, they overheard God and they came and told us the bits and pieces they heard. Jesus is God and comes out from the heart of God to reveal this is who I really am. And so this is, Jesus, the incarnation isn't that God put on an earth suit any more than I have. My body is intrinsic to my humanness. If you couldn't see me right now, I'm not human. Body makes us human. And all that goes on inside the body, God took to himself our human, and at that point, broken flesh. He became absolutely one of us. And when we look at him, we see a man, but when he speaks, we're listening to God. And don't ask me to explain it more than that. God, who comes out from the heart of God, is a baby in a manger. All this that we read in the Old Testament ended with a scream in gynecology. Think of it. This entire Old Testament, all its prophecies ended in a baby and a birth and a scream of a newborn and a mother's cries as she delivered. And right alongside that you have angels filling the sky, singing, singing, and announcing but this is the one. We've been, he says, "This is the one. This is the one. Uh, unto you this day is born in, in Bethlehem. He's the Messiah. He is Christ the Lord." And he said it there because Lord, you remember, I am. But they still didn't get it, of course. So that means. He's the only one who can tell me the whole truth. 
you know, I tell you what I want you to know about me. If you really want to know me, me's got to come out and tell you about me. The prophets just said, well, he's like this. And if you read the prophets of the Old Testament, they never say anything beyond that, really. It's like, it was as if. They said, I've run out of words, but it was something like this. Jesus said, I am. There's no ifs and buts. I am. Which, of course, is the name of God. He comes... And therefore he said, no one knows the Father except the Son. That's the most mind-blowing words in the New Testament. Jesus is saying, Moses, Abraham did not know the Father. They had a piece of the puzzle. I am the only one who knows the Father. I'm the only one who can tell you what God is like. And I will tell you. You can share in my knowledge the Father. Talk about new. It's more new than Moses, more new than Abraham, more new than Isaiah, more new than Jeremiah. They all knew a bit. They're doing their thing. Jesus said, I'm the only one who really knows because I come God from God. And so he didn't discuss love. He is it. He is in himself the health of the human race. Therefore, he's the healer. The healer of body and mind, feeling, spirit. And that's why he left people amazed and stunned. If you go through the Gospels, that's the words they use, which in Greek mean to stand beside yourself, outside your body. You've lost your mind. And they, the people weren't amazed and, and having that song rise inside of them because they had done some religious work. You know, the best the Pharisee could do is get out of bed in the morning, raise his right hand and say, I thank you, O oh God, I'm not like anybody else. I'm better than them. Now I feel satisfied. But that doesn't produce a song. It means I go back to another day of trying to be better. These people were filled with the joy of amazement out of their mind because they had met the one who filled their wildest dreams and gone beyond every file that they had in their heads of what God was supposed to be like. And down in the depths of their being, a song began that they could never tell you what it was about. They would have to say, come and hear him. Um, if you notice, that's all they could say. Uh, when the, the first disciples met Jesus and then they met their friends and their friends began asking questions and the only was, come and see, come and see. Met this person, he's the new. He was like flame to a wax candle. That's a quote from the Psalms. You might recognize it. It says that God doesn't fight sin. He just is. Like a candle is, and therefore the wax just melts away. Um, and that's how he healed the sick. Have you ever thought how he healed the sick? 
It says he took their sickness. And in the presence of he who is God, their sickness just was canceled and he gave them health. He took their sin and it was canceled and he gave them forgiveness. But he sums up the broken race that he now has joined himself to. And you've got to take this personally because he never did anything in generalities. He summed you up in his own person. And he could do that because he's become one of us. But not just one of us, because he made the whole lot of us. And therefore he can become us and each one individually. We were dwelling in death and he carried us into himself and took us to death. And so he is the life that conquers death in resurrection. Now what on earth does that mean? Because this is the new thing, you see. The new thing has parts to it. The incarnation is beyond words. But then, what's resurrection? I'd love if we had a Bible school now, just say, okay, you tell me, what is resurrection? And I think it'd be a lot of silence. What is resurrection? See, Lazarus wasn't resurrected. He was resuscitated. Oh, he was dead and he came back to life, but he died again. Jariah's his daughter. Same thing. So I, I, I don't mean that Jesus just came out of the tomb. What is resurrection? Because resurrection is the new that makes the parting of the Red Sea like a Sunday school picnic. What is resurrection? I, I've said this before, I think, but let's do it again. Time. What is Time. You've got to hear me now. Holy Spirit, open our eyes. Time is always moving backwards. What we experience within a a nanosecond dies. And it falls away behind us. And is immediately solidified, unchangeable. I did it. I said it. And within a, I mean, there's no word for it really, but instantly it falls behind me. And I, there were, I, I, in the past, I said it. It falls behind. And in falling behind, I can't change it now. I cannot change it. Look, you walked in the door 15 minutes ago. There is absolutely no way you can change that you walk through the door. And the way you walked through the door was immediately solidified, unchangeable. That's life. Everything we say, everything we do immediately falls behind us in the past tense 
and I can't change it. It's rigid. We view our life through a rear view mirror. I see everything in terms of what happened. Because what is, is so quick, I hardly notice it. It's immediately in the rearview mirror. And in the rearview mirror, it's receding very quickly. And it's becoming a memory. And now a distant memory. And now I forgot it. See? I can hardly remember, already hardly remember how you came through that door. I bet you can't think it either. It, it's a memory that's rigid, unchangeable, but it's rapidly receding back into ancient history. Jesus, creator, God inside our real human bodies, chooses to go into that world of unchangeable death. Think about it. He intentionally, he set up the soldiers. He put himself in their hands. And then as it comes to the, when he cried, it is finished, he chose to die. It says, he gave up his spirit. He entered into the rearview mirror. I mean, that's mind blowing. By Friday night, as they put his body in the tomb and the soldiers rolled the stone over the door, all they had then is a memory. Jesus said this, Jesus did that. But Jesus and all that he said and did is now stone, rigid memory. It's all they've got left, like anything else. And Saturday, I think the silence of Saturday, after, you know, what happened on Saturday, nothing. I think that was God letting us know that. Let's not do this too quickly because you've got to feel it. He really died. And Jesus is in your rearview mirror as a memory that is receding. It's already 24 hours old. And he's gone. Death. Huh. The disciples are summed up in Mary who wept at the tomb. What else is there to do? Everything we know of Jesus is in the rearview mirror. And it will never be changed now. Can't be changed. He's dead. Behold, I do a new thing. So new. He had literally entered into time going backwards. He deliberately entered into the rigidity of the unchangeable. Resurrection means he turned time around. 
he reversed death. And he walked out through the rearview mirror. And he said, I am the first and the last. That is, I'm the start of all this and I'm the finish of it right now. I'm the first now and I'm the last now all at once. I am. I am the living one or livingness. And then he says, one of the greatest, if you've got the rearview mirror thing, he stands this side of the rearview mirror, points back through the mirror, and he said, I was dead. That's fantastic. I was dead. When did you hear that last? Behold, I am alive forevermore. And I had the keys of death. And, and the proper word is death and the grave. But people like to translate that as hell, which I say, well, then translate it as hell. So when you go to hell, you find Jesus is there. He said, I've got the keys, you see. I've got the keys. Do you realize what power we're talking about here? This is beyond anything science can ever conceive. I, I don't know what else to say. Reverse time. Do you realize to reverse time, time has to stop. And if time stops, creation stops. In the resurrection of Jesus, he brought creation to an end. And in the same instant, a new creation going in the opposite direction. That's resurrection. Ephesians 1.18, he says, What is the surpassing? Which means going beyond anything you can think. Surpassing greatness of his power. The working of the strength of his might. That's all the words in the Greek language for power. Working is energia. The, the energy of God, the strength is dunamis, power of God. The might is the kratos, which is creative power. It's a surpassing greatness of his power. The energy, the, the strength, the, the might, the creative power of God. He brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Every word in human language piled one on top of another says that's what happened. But uh, you ever realize you were included in that event? <laughs> oh, God bless all evangelicals. I mean that, I do. But will you understand eternal life is not going to heaven when you die? Eternal life is participating in this reversed time. You were there and you joined into the very life of God in a human that could take time and turn it around. And he came out of the tomb and so did you. So did you. Now I understand forgiveness. Forgiveness? What's forgiveness? Oh, God says forget about that. No, that's human. This is forgiveness. <laughs> wow. 
He's back there in the unchangeable, the rigid, along with your life, rigid, unchangeable. Every rotten, dirty thing you've ever done, sorry, it's unchanged. You can't go back and change it. Oh, but he got in the middle of it and he changed it. Forgiveness doesn't mean that God just says, forget about it. Forgiveness means that your past has been changed so that what you did does not exist anymore before God. You're not just a person that's had a helping hand. You are a person you participated now in the new creation and all that you did is no longer. He has gone into your past where there were knots tied that could never be untied. And he just untied them. That's forgiveness. And of course, when you get that, then you begin to look at everybody in the same light. We don't have time, but you got that. And resurrection means he's left death. No, he didn't leave it. He turned it around so it wasn't anymore. I had the keys of death and I've unlocked it. So death as it was known from creation with Adam and Eve, death all the way through Old Testament, death was a terrifying thing. Job called it the king of terrors. Whoever believes on me, said Jesus, shall never die. I am the resurrection and the life. And I've shared with you before the never die. We don't know anything about it in our West. Nobody has a chance to die. You stick all the pins and needles and pipes into you and no one ever sees what happens when you die. Come with me. I lived for seven years in Ireland where there were no big hospitals. They just sent you home to die because that's what else. We can do no more for you. And the whole family comes together. And as the pastor, I had to be there. And the whole time the person was dying. I thank God for those early years in my ministry to be there when a person died. They don't die. You never have a chance to see it over here, but when there's no pipes and there's nothing going on except a body in a bed, and a person who has been in a coma for weeks suddenly shoots up in bed, eyes blazing with a light I've never seen on earth, and says, he's here, and bam, they die. You call that death? It's real. Huh. And, and therefore, death, is, Jesus meant it. Death is no more. As it was known, we now just pass into. And so it means, resurrection means it's always new. 
Because if there's no death, there's no decay. And if there's no decay, nothing gets old. And if nothing gets old, it's never boring. It's always new. It's always new. There's no death in it. And that's where the song, the new song, I can sing because nothing's decaying. It's life. It's eternal life. That's what eternal life is. Now, Isaiah 35 prophesied this. He said, the ransom the Lord return. Come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads. They will find gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Or the early church in Ephesians, it describes the early believers who saw this. It says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what turned the Roman Empire around. It wasn't the logic of a sermon. It was crazy people who wouldn't stop singing. And we we have... See, I, the, the, there's a senator, well, maybe he wasn't, but uh, whatever he was, he wrote a letter. And it was very early on, just after the Acts of the Apostles. And in his letter, he's asking someone, he said, who, who are these crazy people? He said, they get up before dawn and they sing. And they sing to their God. Pagans don't do that, you realize? People don't gather at the witch doctor's tent and sing. There's no singing. This is a new song that rises. The Roman soldiers who, with the end of their spear, were pushing the Christians out into the arena to meet the lions. And the Christians were singing. And the Roman soldiers said, I want that. And we have it recorded in history. They laid down their spears, took off their helmets, and joined the Christians right there. And, and the song I'm talking about, at least this morning, is it's not the vocal song necessarily. It comes out. But I'm talking about that song that rises within. You awake to a new day and you face the day with, with a song. We're participating in him who is the new creation. He is the new mankind. And today we're celebrating a life that never decays, that never ages, never becomes less than it was before. Uh, Do I have to say it again that only God could do that? Okay, do you realize this? Maybe you you do, but there is no other religion on earth, nor ever has been, that proclaims a savior. I mean, think about that. All that religion of all kinds today can offer you is a formula that if you do this and if you do that, 
and this is the best way to live. And This gospel is the only gospel that ever comes to say that the God I worship became me to carry me to death that I in him might be raised in a reversal of time. Only this gospel, the oh, I don't know, that, that does something to me. The only, only. You'll never find the, the, has a God that personally saves his creation. And the Holy Spirit comes, opens our eyes to see who he is. And of course, once your eyes are open and your ears are open, you realize this song has been around since the resurrection. And I was living in the middle of it and didn't hear it. Hmm. Now we're engulfed. And the song fills our hearts. And we begin to live in the beat of this song that only God originated and Spirit teaches us. It's got nothing to do with what's going on around me. That, that's why the Romans couldn't understand it. I mean, we're, we're about to throw these people to the lions and they're singing. Or Acts 16, we put him into the innermost jail, we beat the life out of him, we put him in shackles, and what do they do? They sang praise to God. It's got nothing to do with what's happening to me. No, Psalm 34 says, He has put a new song in my mouth. Only God's the origin here. Um, we could go on, um, but I'll jump over that. This is what the angels anticipated when they sang. This is the good news of a great joy, which shall be to all the people. This is what the shepherd and the woman and the father did in Luke 15. Rejoice with me. I found my sheep. It's, it's a new, it's so new. I mean, I've got to throw this out. You see, because all religion has a sacred building. Think about it. Every religion has a sacred building. They all have a sacred book. They all have a priesthood that is other than us poor mortals. And they all have secret formulas that you find out when you get into the thing. And that's all. Nations, including America. But the new, that is something. This is not just the latest in a series. This is not just the latest bunch of buildings, book. No, 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 no. This is so new, the person who rose from the dead is the building. And we in him are the stones of the building. Yikes. And this book is not ultimately the word of God. That's his name. He is the word of God. And this book only tells of him. 
He is the word, the final word, the last word, the only word. This is who God my Father is. He is that. And he has made us all priests. And there's no secret formula. He is the offering and the life of his people. And so the new is with us today. I'm sorry, it it is not that you die and go to heaven and find out what it is. This, very serious. That's why, that's why religion is so boring and so stale because everything happens after death. This is no. What we call after death has come to meet us here and now. Never stale. It's never old, never boring. Because it, that's why it blows to pieces religion. Jesus, do you remember? He says the new, new wine has got to have new wineskins. Or the new wine will bust the old ones. Yeah, he was talking about this this year. But then, do you remember? He turned to the Pharisees and said, but you guys still say the old wine is better. You ever heard that story? He says, the new wine is come. The new thing, the new song, it's come. It's here. And it's going to blow to pieces all your stupid wineskins. But it's the new wine. And there will be a new wineskin to hold it. But you don't want it, do you? The old is better. Give me the familiarity of... Go to the temple. Give me the familiarity of, I promise to do this and I promise to do that and I dedicate myself and I'll answer the appeal and I'll get saved six days a week. Oh, I feel that's, that's comfortable. But to say this newness has come, that, that, that is scary. I don't know about that. This is the song of the finished work, the done work. He has seen the travail of his soul and he is satisfied. So faith is not looking in the rearview mirror to see a dead Jesus who somehow came out of the tomb 2,000 years ago and to try and believe in that Jesus. That's religion at its worst. Trust is he came through the rearview mirror and I trust him. Now, him. Trust him. And abandon to him. And I enter into, and entering now, into the ever new. It's always new. And so I learn the newness of life. My mind is renewed. And we live alongside the world, though not of it. And it, this is where we're not of it. We sing a different song. And they hear the song in us, and they don't know what it is. And it's very, it's very strange, because in one sense they hate it. In another sense, they'd give their life to have it. Um, Religion, and this is our world today, has lost the wonder. I have asked 
hundreds, mostly pastors, about the incarnation. And yeah, well, it's God. God became flesh, whatever that means. You know, it's it's never personal. It's never resurrection. How many churches today? I'm thinking right now of some of the leading evangelical, charismatic churches who now identify Easter Sunday with a rabbit. Yes, you've got, I mean, did you know, I know the time is gone, but hey, it's the first Sunday of the new year. So um, that is... um, where it's bad enough we call it Easter, because that is Estress, the goddess, back over in Europe. And um, the, the, the worship of whatever they, they did in their demonic activity um, was falling away. The kids were not coming. And so they invented a new approach, specifically for children. And they said that there was a magic rabbit that laid eggs. And if the children would come and find the eggs, then they would be part of the the demonic religion. And here it goes on every year in our churches. No clue. You are celebrating the resurrection with a demonic rabbit? And I'm not just being picky. I'm giving you some history. It's true. We lost the wonder. Incarnation, resurrection. There is no wonder to bring to the home. There's no wonder that you go to work with. There's no wonder in school. You just... Well, I mean, it it happens on Sunday where the clergy talk to you and then you... Back to secular work on Monday. There's no wonder. <laughs> and and what, what's your message to us? Well, things are getting worse. And they're going to get a lot worse. So we just hunker down until the second coming. I, I've talked to a number of people recently, and I, I could scream because I'm sorry, I I, I don't, but you know that, that that what I just said was, and they do it with bright, bushy eyes. You know, this is this is their gospel. Things are going to get worse and worse, and Jesus will come, and we'll be caught out of here, and then Jesus will do what he didn't do the first time. See, they say the incarnation. What's that? With resurrection, nothing happened, did it? Nothing happened. But when Jesus comes, he'll come with a sword. Oh yes, then he's going to. No. That's why people say that I don't believe in the second coming. I believe in the second coming. But the second coming will not add one iota to the first coming. He did it. The second coming is merely just, well, he's coming to mop it all up. But don't ever dare say that it wasn't enough the first time. Oh, no. I had a pastor in a pastor's meeting 
And he stood up. I, you know, he stood up in front of all the pastors at this pastor. He said, we have got to face it. Jesus is not enough. And he said, we need more programs. We need... Why? Because there's no wonder. Incarnation, that, that's not going to excite anybody. The resurrection, I'll forget that. Jesus isn't enough. No. See, religion has its origins. In a remote history through the rearview mirror. That's what they got. Jesus who was back there. There's no resurrection. And so new slogans, new programs, new gimmicks. We've got to out-new God's new. I was talking to a pastor who's spent his life pouring into his congregation what I'm telling you this morning. And the good stuff, yeah, the good stuff, the real stuff. And when he retired and he handed over to someone that he had been grooming for the job, they immediately, they brought, they suddenly you've got to have clouds of smoke when you have the worship meeting and you've got to have flashing lights and uh, he used the words, it's not enough just to gather and we've lost the wonder, you see, lost the wonder. The old wine was better. This is, give me some rules. Another parable Jesus said, you remember he says, we, we piped, we, we had an, a blew on an instrument for you to dance, but you wouldn't dance. It was the new song. So, we, we enter not only churches, we enter houses. If you're sensitive to this, you'll know what I mean. You enter a house and there's no song there. In fact, there's that cacophony of clash where husband and wife each have their own, whatever you want to call it, song. And the kids, because they're neglected in these issues anyway, and they don't have a song. And so it's the world song mixed up with terrible, terrible. The It's all off-key. It's like scratching uh, plastic record the word in the bible is restored restoration means go back to where you left the path do you get that restoration means go back to where you got off the path and got yourself lost and I think what I've said this morning is where people left the path and May Christianity just new in a series. So we had all the pagan religions and now it's same old, same old, but now we talk about Jesus. Instead of recognizing this is so new, there's no human words to really express it. And that's what Paul's prayer was all about, open the eyes of our understanding, that we might know the hope to which we have been called. And then he goes on, we've quoted, and to know, which means experientially, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, which is the same that raised Jesus from the dead. This was so real to the early church. 
that time had been reversed, that this was not just same old, same old, but an actually the beginning of a new creation. So real that they changed the dating. This, you ever thought about this year, is 2022 A.D. We don't say that much these days. A.D. Do you know what that means? Anno Domini. Latin for the year of our Lord. 2022, the year of our Lord. Meaning, everything that we talk about began 20, 22 years ago. What about everything before that? That's the old creation. Creation began 20, 22 years ago. Anno Domini, year of our Lord. Long forgotten that. But we just said it. Anyway, there it is. Have a wonderful new year. New year. Father, we thank you. This is ultimate reality Holy Spirit open our eyes and let us see and let us hear your new song and Holy Spirit teach us that song that we may live in the song of the Lord we give you thanks and bless you Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.